Welcome to Start to Finish, the XRTZO podcast, where we explore the scriptures to prepare and equip real people for real purpose. Here's your host, Dr. Christopher Romano. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for joining me on the show today. I'm excited to spend a few moments with you as we are continuing our series on the presence of God. Now, uh, if you can tell, um, I've been having a, a little bit of a difficulty with my throat uh, in, in the last few days. I've been dealing with a cold, uh, but I'm doing well. Um, so I'm going to ask you to bear with me uh, throughout the remainder of this episode um, as uh, you know I make my way through it with this uh, raspy voice. <laughs> so in any case... Um, I'm excited uh, to be with you guys today, and, and while I always love studying God's Word uh, with you, this episode actually comes in the middle of January, and so for me, January is always a season of fasting and, and prayer, and there's just something about fasting and prayer that, that gets me you know, really excited. Um, certainly, it opens the door for more time in God's Word. I mean, just naturally, if you're not eating as much or you're not preparing food as much, then there's more time to spend, you know, reading and studying uh, the scriptures. But if you're new to fasting, and, or maybe you were turned off uh, by a prior experience uh, of it, you know, first of all, know that the fasting is is biblical. Uh, it's a uh, it's, it's found in the Old Testament. It's found in the New Testament, um, and there's lots of different types of fasts. Um, it's not just you know completely abstaining from food. Um, so there's there's things like the Daniel fast, there's partial fast, there's full fast, um, and there there's certainly uh, it runs the gamut of duration, uh, anywhere from one day to you know when when Jesus fasted uh, 40, 40 days. So uh, it's certainly biblical, and fasting is a spiritual discipline, uh, and it has tremendous benefits uh, for our spiritual health uh, as well as our spiritual growth. And so when you look at it from the scriptures perspective, uh, fasting always involves abstaining from food, and in some cases even water um, or drink, for a particular uh, time period. Um, now, the goal of fasting isn't not eating. Uh, the goal of fasting is to get closer to Jesus. It's to become more like him. So just just know that. A lot of times we, we can make our fast about something that it's not, when really the fast is about uh, you know becoming more Christ-like. And so, I mean, any effort to become more like Christ is going to require, you know, a, a, you know, a certain amount of self-denial or self-dethronement. And that is exactly what fasting, fasting does. When you fast, your aim and purpose is to kill your flesh. It's not, you know, not, not so you die, <laughs> uh, but in many cases so that you die, right? Um, it's to strip our pride and our lust, lust of our flesh, uh, of their power. And so, you know, while fasting does have physical benefits for sure, um, you know, it's not purpose so that you become skinnier or that you be getting better, better shape. Um, so, you know, when I think about fasting, I think it's really, really important for people to understand that, um, you know, it's got to be accompanied by prayer. And, you know, when we think about fasting, we typically use that word um, isolated in of itself. Uh, like I'm fasting or the church is fasting, but fasting is really, um, you know, uh, accompanied by this, uh, this, this, this notion of, of praying. Um, without 
praying, then fasting is is really lacking. And in, in fact, um, you know, I've I've heard it said, and maybe you have too. But you know, if you don't if you don't fast with prayer, then all you're doing is is you're you know you're participating in some kind of diet. So, but the kind of discipline, um, spiritual discipline that I'm referring to, and you know, that I'm in the midst of and, and, and many other people uh, across the world in the month of January um, is something that makes God's presence and God's word central. It, it's literally living out the reality of Proverbs chapter three, uh, verse, verses, verse five, where it talks about lean not on your own understanding, but, you know, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And that's, that's what we're doing when we fast. We're making ourselves completely dependent upon God uh, as we forsake our natural tendency to trust uh, and depend upon our flesh. Now, I bring this up in the beginning of, of the episode uh, because while there are lots of benefits to fasting, spiritual benefits to fasting, one of the best ones that I've experienced is um, that something powerful happens when you read and study in the midst of a fast. Uh, it's, been, it's been my experience that the word becomes clear that familiar verses and familiar stories in the Bible take on a new and a fresh meaning. Uh, the Holy Spirit just steps into those unique environments, those unique spaces where he senses the hunger of a Christian, a hunger of a follower of Jesus, and he leads us into greater revelation of the truth. I could testify, um, you know, studying for, for, you know, teachings and studying for sermons and, or, or just, you know, in my own personal study to, to, you know, to intake God, God's word. Um, I've had the word of God, the written word of God, the scriptures, the Bible, literally transform into a revealed word uh, that gets impressed in my heart and then brings about clarity and change in my mind. Uh, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing process where, you know, I've said it like this, you know, where the words like literally leap off the pages and, and into my understanding or into my, in, into my heart. Uh, it's a it's a powerful reality that could happen at any time when you're concentrating your focus on God's word and God's spirit. But trust me when I say, I've had so many experiences like this when I've committed to a time of fasting and prayer. So I want to encourage you to do that, whether it's one day uh, this month or or maybe you start to develop a habit, which you know I would encourage you to uh, uh, make fasting part of the rhythm of your spiritual life. Uh, or maybe you fast, you know, one day a month, or maybe you fast one day a week. Um, but I really want to encourage you to fast, uh, at, you know, before the end of January, and 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 even test this reality where when you fast and when you pray, and when you really set aside that time uh, where you say to God, God, I want to be. Uh, first of all, I want to be obedient to your word. Teaches about fasting, but also want to. I want to be. I want to be found as someone who's pursuing with. Um, you know, passion and purpose to become more like Jesus. Uh, God's going to meet you where you're at. He's going to He's going to allow the Word of God and your time in His Word, maybe even your time listening to this this podcast, um, as uh, just just an, an amazing experience, an amazing encounter. So, um, there's much more to say about fasting, but we have an episode on God's presence uh, to do here. So uh, we'll return at another time. And we'll dive into that wonderful subject. So let's now turn our attention to episode eight of our series on the presence of God.
Now, in last week's episode, we transitioned from the Old Testament and we turned towards the dawning of a new era, uh, a new covenant, and a new dwelling place for God's presence. And of course, that was that was Jesus. So when Jesus comes, you know, upon his arrival, he becomes the continuation and the fulfillment of God's dream and God's desire to dwell with his creation. And so while Jesus was eternally the son of God, uh, he's also God's presence personified alive and embodied in human form. So he's 100% God and he's 100% man. He is the God man. He is the realization of the Emmanuel prophecy that we've made mention of in this series, Isaiah chapter seven and verse 14, which uh, ensured that God would once again be with his people. Uh, last week, we discussed how Jesus is the greater and more glorious temple. And with his coming, he became within himself the actual dwelling place of God's glory and God's presence. Jesus is the glory of God. Jesus is the manifest presence of God. Just as we looked at in John 1.14, that real hallmark passage uh, found in the early pages of John's gospel, where John um, exclaims, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So while God's glory was manifested in part in the old temple, in Christ, the new and greater temple, his presence was fully revealed. So unlike the Old Testament tabernacle, Moses' tabernacle, um, and uh, Solomon's temple, you know, within those structures, there were uh, divisions and separations and even exclusions, primarily due uh, to the sinfulness of man. Um, in Jesus, there's none of that. In Jesus, God's presence is completely accept accessible uh, to everyone, to all. Now, what's totally fascinating uh, is that, that, that the fact that Christ is the dwelling place of God um, is not the end of the story when you talk about uh, or when you look at God's presence dwelling among people in the narrative of Scripture, right? I mean, Jesus is without question the true and greater temple. You know, when you compare uh, him with all the other sacred structures and images that had preceded him, uh, however, God desired something more than just dwelling with His creation. He wanted to dwell in them. So, as as we look in this episode, uh, you know, continuing our series on the study of God's presence, uh, we're going to look now at the presence of God in and through the church. Now, simply stated, the church is the place of God's presence. Now, as I say that, I'm aware that the term church you can conjure up a lot of different thoughts and ideas. So I want to be clear. When I say the church, I'm referring to the community of called out ones that have both believed that Jesus is the son of God and have committed their lives to following him and his teachings. So the, the true church is comprised of those who have experienced a, a genuine, authentic uh, conversion. You know, they're people who have been brought from the darkness of sin to the light of salvation. And now that they have identified with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, they've become his disciples. So these two words are, are critically important, conversion and discipleship. Conversion and discipleship, they're two of the most important marks of the church. 
So when we talk about the church, or when we really define the church, the church isn't a structure that Christians frequent on a Sunday morning or a building. We've heard that so often. I'm going to the church. Well, the building is not the church. That's not scriptural. That's not biblical. It really doesn't even make any sense. Um, But unfortunately, that's how many people have interpreted the Sunday morning experience or the understanding of of the church. The church isn't a building. Um, The church is the community where God's presence is pleased to dwell in the midst of, right? So I mean, I've always said the church isn't a place to go to. The church is a, is a community to belong to. So um, just make sure that you, you, you're you really, really paying attention uh, to those to those truths because they're really important when we understand, when we seek to understand God God's presence dwelling in the midst of, of a church. He doesn't just show up on Sunday morning. He doesn't just show up on a midweek service. He doesn't just show up on a Sunday night service. He shows up when the community of saints, the community of committed followers of Jesus come together, gather together and assemble. Now, let's back up just a bit and provide a sketch of how this actually plays itself out. So we talked about Jesus as the true temple, as the true dwelling place of God's presence, right? Um, I mean, he revealed God's presence flawlessly in his earthly ministry. I mean, he demonstrated that he was in fact the son of God, um, and you know, through his death and, and victorious resurrection, he's going to complete God's redemptive program. He reinaugurates God's kingdom on the earth, and he offers salvation to lost and broken humanity. However, prior to going to the cross, Jesus makes a real startling statement in John chapter 16 and verse 7. So he says here, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go Away, For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, the helper, if you're unfamiliar with that verse, the helper that Jesus is referring to is the person of the Holy Spirit, the helper or the one who comes alongside a believer. Now, let's return to this statement. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me, being 2,000 years distant, um, to imagine how Jesus going away was better or more advantageous, right? I mean, it's 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 almost unfathomable for me. And we read a statement like that. Jesus here is Jesus saying to a group of people, and obviously, you know, down through the the annals of of, of history to you and I here, he says it's better if I go away. It's just it's crazy to think about. But can you imagine what the first century disciples, you know, his first disciples, when they were sitting there listening to him say these words, what that, what must have gone through their minds, what they were, what they were thinking, you know, when they, they heard this. Now, of course, what they didn't understand then, um, they surely would later, um, you know, and, and, you know, that is that, you know, when Jesus ascended or when Jesus departed, um, it would result in the Holy Spirit not just being poured out upon them, but manifest within them. And that's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost, as it's recorded in scripture in Acts chapter two. And from that, you know, really momentous and climactic event, you know, where the full power of the spirit is on display, the church will be birthed. The church is born on the day of Pentecost. 
And so what you have is now, you know, the followers of Jesus, the believing community of Christ followers are now equipped with God's presence living within them and God's power uh, living upon them. And they would go on to spread the gospel. They would harvest converts from both Jew and, and Gentile backgrounds. I mean, they're going to establish healthy local churches uh, in, in very influential cities throughout the first century Roman Empire. And so the church at that time now beca- became the temple that God's presence dwelled in and through. Now, of all the, the, the New Testament writers who make this point crystal clear, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, certainly stands out. The first use of the language of the church as a temple is actually found in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 and 17, where, where Paul is going to ask this question. He says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Verse 17, If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are. Now, in this passage, the temple of God being described is actually the, the entire local church at Corinth. And, and you, can, you can pick this up by the fact that the you, the word you, you see it uh, in both 16 and 17, um, is plural. The word you is plural. So, of course, it implies you're not an individual, but all of the church at Corinth. And, and this is important because what what God is saying, what Paul obviously is saying by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is a clear message that the presence of God dwells in the midst of the gathered community of the church. So when the church assembles together, whenever it does, um, they become the temple of God. They become a dwelling place for God's Spirit, um, you know, to 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 dwell in. And I mean, that's such an important, powerful. Truth. So many times I, I, I can think, um, you know, just in my own experience as a, as, a, as a local church pastor or even just as a believer, but so many times, you know, Christians gather on a Sunday morning, you know, unaware that what they're attending to is very holy. It's very sacred. And it's not the building itself that is holy ground, like we said earlier. It's the lives of the people that are gathered together. It's the joining of hearts, it's the joining of minds, it's the joining of like-minded uh, pursuits to worship Jesus, where we become the dwelling place of God's spirit. And, you know, thinking about the era that we're living in today uh, of the church, where, you know, the the, the digital, uh, virtual forms of church have really uh, become very popular, and we're gathering physically together, it's become optional or less than desirable, you know, we really must recapture this uh, this sacred privilege of as the church of coming together, gathering to- together, and 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 being the dwelling place of God, or being the temple. Now, beyond First Corinthians three, Paul is going to continue this image of the church as a temple a few chapters later uh, in First Corinthians six verses nineteen and twenty. Let me read that uh, with you. First uh, Corinthians six verse nineteen. And 20 says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, that's a heavy passage. 
Uh, and if you read the, the overarching context, um, it, it is extremely uh, heavy. Um, because in, that, in, the, in the passage, Paul's emphasis is not going to be on the local church as 1 Corinthians 3 is, um, but it's rather the individual believer. So in 1 Corinthians 3, you have the temple being described as the entire local church. In 1 Corinthians 6, when Paul's making mention of you know, the, the, the believer being the temple of God, he's talking about the individual believer, the individual believer's life, the individual believer's uh, body. And uh, in, in the context here, I think it's just, it's just important to draw out just, this just a little bit. Um, but he's actually correcting a false view of the physical body that was held by many first century Greeks. And of course, Corinth being in a, um, you know, near ancient Greece, um, there's, there's th- this, this idea, this, this thought process is going to kind of seep in um, to, their, to their, their thought processes and form their worldview. Um, now, their, their perspectives on the body are rooted in Greek philosophy, which basically said that the body was kind of secondary or carried a secondary importance. And what really mattered was a person's soul. And so consequently, what happened was it created a very loose and, and liberal way of treating the body, which resulted in many believers in the Corinthian church um, who were indulging in forbidden physical and sexual activity. So Paul is going to confront them head on with the truth that as a believer in Jesus, your body, your life is the temple of God. And, he, and his, his basis of making this claim is that since the Holy Spirit has come to live within a believer, um, then he doesn't have a right to, to claim ownership over his body. Right? I don't have the right to claim uh, that my body is my own when I've given my life over to Jesus, right? I mean, I, I say in the spirit of Galatians 2 and verse 20, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live for God. I live by faith in Jesus. So I can't make that claim. Neither could the, the first century uh, Corinthians make that claim. Um, God purchased our, our lives. God purchased uh, the believer at a great cost, the precious blood of, of Jesus, the precious blood of his son. And so uh, it's right and it's and it's and it's proper and it's honorable to steward our lives and our bodies in particular uh, well in a way that really glorifies God. So, um, you know, just 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 centering our focus on these two passages, we, you know, we see a very critical truth: God's presence dwells when the church gathers together, and God's presence dwells in the life of every individual Christian. How beautiful is that? How extraordinary is that? I mean, just thinking about it, you know, as, as, I'm, as I'm teaching you, uh, it should definitely influence the way that we approach coming together, whether it's Sunday or any other time during the week. And it also should powerfully impact the way that we view and value our lives. We are temples. We are sacred houses of God's presence and God's spirit. What a privilege. What an honor. And this should shape and it really should form our true identity. You know, a few weeks ago, we had talked about how the temple uh, in the Old Testament established the uniqueness and the distinctiveness of the ancient Jews. And the truth is, likewise, in the new covenant, which, of course, we're all part of, um, this glorious reality of being 
dwelling places of God, what it should do is it should equip us with a sense of sanctity and dignity. And in turn, it should motivate us to, to avoid the, the, the different defilements that come when we, defal- when we devalue ourselves and when we devalue or discredit the importance of the gathered community. I implore you, you know, get into a local church. If you're not already, make the local church, make gathering a priority. I understand, you know, there, we're living in unique times, um, you know, for sure, you know, with what, what, what COVID has brought uh, to us, it's brought to the world, but it's also brought to the church. But we cannot use COVID as an excuse uh, to avoid gathering together as the church. And, you know, I don't know your particular perspective on that, but I believe wholeheartedly um, that we should not use anything. Now, maybe for certain periods of time, uh, certainly, obviously, if you are not feeling well or if you're not sick, uh, I'm sorry, or if you are sick, um, there's no question about that. We have to be careful. We have to be mindful um, because we don't want to be reckless and we don't want to be um, careless, you know, as the body. But we must gather together. We must come together, you know, and 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 worship God. And furthermore, you know, we must come together because you have a unique role and function within the church. the The spiritual gifts that God has placed on the inside of you are used for the the health and betterment of the larger community. And so, you know, it's not just about you know filling up a seat on a Sunday morning. It's, it's really about you, you know, staying true to your identity as the church, as the temple of God, and then joining your particular, you know, house of God with the other, um, the, you know, the other members of your local church. And, you know, special things happen, unique things happen when God's presence dwells. And uh, so I just want to really encourage you uh, to do that. I'm absolutely convinced that when our identity as the church becomes we are the temple of God and I am the temple of God as an individual, um, then what's going to happen is our mission and our purpose, you know, to fulfill his great commission and to love, you know, each other uh, the way that Christ loved us, to, to love the world and, and to share the gospel with the world uh, is going to be accomplished in a God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, spirit-energized manner. Amen. And amen. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, but man, isn't it awesome studying the subject of the presence of God? I love all the different ways in which God has chosen to reveal himself. It's so layered. You know, when you think about, uh, and we've did this in the last series too, when we studied the kingdom of God, but um, you, when you study a subject as large as the presence of God and all the different ways that God has you know, uniquely revealed himself from 
from the beginning, you know, all throughout the narrative of Scripture and the biblical story, uh, even to our time that we're living in today. It's just amazing. It's fascinating. And I hope that you're gaining so much out of it. I hope that you have a much better foundation when it comes to this subject. But, you know, know that the goal here isn't just to provide you with an overview, you know, in the scripture um, of, of the subject of the presence of God. I mean, the, the, the hope is that you are inspired and motivated to encounter him for yourself. And I've tried to, to weave in that, um, that, that goal of mine through every episode. But one of the things that we're going to do now is in uh, the next episode and the ones uh, that will follow that is, is to actually transition into a more practical uh, uh, way uh, that you can experience the presence of God. And so we're going to start in the next episode with the importance of hearing God. And this is really critical because, you know, as, 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 a, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, you need to have the confidence that you can hear God. And I'm here to tell you that you can hear God. You can hear his voice. And there's lots of ways that, that, that you can do that, and we'll get into that. But, you know, you need to have that, that, that confidence. And so when you're reading scripture or when you're listening to a sermon or, you know, when you're, uh, when you're in prayer um, or whatever, you know, listen to this podcast, that God uh, can speak, that God is speaking, and, and that God certainly will speak to you. Uh, because that's his nature, you know. And if you've seen that, if you've, if, you've seen, if you've seen anything throughout this series, you've seen that God loves to draw near. He loves to draw close to people. He's an intimate, personal, revealing, communicating God. And you certainly uh, are, are someone he wants to speak to. So that's what we're going to get into in the next several episodes. You can look forward to that. Before I close out this episode, I want to make sure that I spend a moment in prayer with you. God, thank you for all of my faithful friends who listen um, you know, each and every week to these episodes. I'm so grateful for their, uh, their partnership and for the ways in which they just willingly uh, trust um, the, you know, the things that I'm teaching them. And, and, I, and I pray, God, that you would reward them. I pray that you'd bless them. I pray that you'd encourage them. And I also pray, God, that you would uh, just show them as we mentioned in the beginning, the, 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 the importance of fasting and praying and of setting aside time to just draw near to you, um, where we're not uh, giving into the lust of our flesh. We're not giving into uh, you know, those normal routines that, that so often distract us from spending time with you. So I thank you for that, God, and for the, all those who are actually fasting uh, at, at this time for extended periods of time, I pray that you would uh, just be with each and every one of them, God, and that again, uh, you would show yourself to be strong, show yourself true on their behalf. I ask you these things in your beautiful and holy name. Amen and amen. Well, guys, thanks again so much for joining me here uh, today. Uh, be sure to subscribe and follow the show if you haven't already, uh, because this show will come right to you each and every Thursday morning. And uh, I certainly appreciate it when you do that. Uh, if you uh, feel led, uh, please provide me with a rating and or a review on Apple Podcasts in particular. Uh, you can also reach out to me at chris at vcbcs.org, chris at vcbcs.org. Let me know how you're, uh, what you're getting out of the show. Uh, maybe also even uh, shoot me some uh, future subjects and future topics that you'd like me to address um, later on in 
the, the you know, in, in this podcast. So, but guys, thanks so much. Listen, have a great week. Uh, I'll come right to you here next Thursday. And, uh, but until then, be blessed, uh, be healthy, be strong, and I'll see you all again real soon.